Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. When you have a baby, it becomes crystal clear how dangerous the world can be, which is not to say that everything is out to get your baby, but it is to say that you become very conscious of their safety. For the first time, Australia is part of a global initiative, the Baby Safety Month. A range of our peak bodies here in Australia have joined forces to help you feel more confident when managing your baby's safety. Today, I'm joined by the Chief Executive Officer of KidSafe Victoria, Melanie Courtney, and Chief Midwife at Red Nose, Jane Wiggle. Hi, ladies. How are you? Very well. Thanks, Siobhan. Nice to be here. Today we're focusing on safe sleeping and also getting about safely with your baby. But let's start at the very beginning, which is basically when we take our baby home for the first time. Melanie, that drive back in the car can be very nerve-wracking. How do we make sure that our car is ready to carry our baby safely? Oh, that's a great question. And I remember doing that with my children uh, quite a long time ago now. Uh, so look, it, it, it's really important that families are familiar with whether they're using a capsule or if they're using a child car restraint. Uh, it's really important that families are familiar with what they're using and that they've had this installed into their vehicle uh, and they know how to use it so that they can feel uh, comfortable while they're taking their precious cargo home for the first time. So we do encourage families to have a go at installing either the capsule or the restraint themselves uh, the first time so they get to know it really well but if they're in Victoria they can go and get it checked for free at the Safe Seat Safe Kids event or they can go around the country uh, to other providers. Now I'm not sure which of you ladies can answer this next question but um, what are the current safety um, uh, what's the current safety advice when it comes to how we keep our babies warm in those capsules so if you're having a baby in winter and you come home, you've decided that they're really you need to make them all snug and warm in that car seat are you able to put a blanket over them not what's the current advice I think um what is really important to remember with regards to car restraints and capsules is that um we need to use them first and foremost for the the purpose for which they were intended so as a transporting kind of protective device, not a sleep space. Now, we all know babies sleep, um, you know, for hours and hours and hours. I mean, it would be lovely if it was all in one go, but it's not. So a baby will fall asleep in a, in a restraint or a capsule. But it's really important that when we get to our destination that we remove our babies from the, the capsule or the restraint because, we, you know, we need them to be sleeping safely and we need them to be in a safe sleep space. Capsules, um, you know, that are quite often used for very young babies or premature babies, tiny little, you know, zero to, to three month old babies do tend to have quite a lot of padding around the head. And that's very important to help, you know, protect babies in high impact motor vehicle accidents. But we need to remember that that can also contribute to a baby overheating. And we know that overheating is a significant risk factor to SIDS. 
So making sure that little heads and faces remain uncovered in the capsules and car restraints is very, very important. So we can let babies thermoregulate as they need to, to keep themselves safe. Certainly if you're, uh, you know, you're traveling along and it is, you know, the middle of winter or you're living in a place in this beautiful country where it does get very cold, you can layer a blanket over the top, but just you know, do bear in mind that they are in close quarters. There is a lot of padding there um, and babies do tend to warm up quite quickly in those situations. And I I think, Jane, just to add to that, it's a really good point about putting the blanket over top. So it's really important to make sure that the child restraint actually fits the child properly. So no bulky clothing like that, anything like that should be removed prior to them going into the capsule or the child restraint. So the best idea is if you think they're cold, dress them warmly, but not too like not with too many layers, so that the um, restraint is nice and firm as it should be on their body. And if you're worried about them still being cold, you can put a blanket over it. Mm, absolutely, and I think sometimes the temptation with parents, um, and I, you know. I was certainly one of these parents where, you know, you think you're going to go from A to B, baby's going to go to sleep, I'm going to pop baby into a sleep bag first and then pop them into the car capsule. That's where you can run into a bit of trouble where you've got all of that bulky fabric and just you're sort of trying to stuff it all in and, you know, you've got your harness and you're trying to pull it really tight and, you know, you are then, I guess, um, really modifying, for want of a better word, of you know, the safety of that device. So you just need to kind of be mm-hmm. a bit careful with that as well. Okay. So how do we know, Mel, when it's time to move on from a capsule with a baby, like when we've got to go to the next thing? And how do we make sure we get the safest thing next? Sure. Look, it's really important that all bubs stay rear facing as long as possible. So until they outgrow the size limit. So that does depend whether they're using a capsule or whether they're using a rear facing child restraint as the size limits will differ. Um, The reason for that is because infants have pretty large heads and and weak necks, which puts them at particularly high risk of serious injuries and rear facing restraints provide the required head and neck support that they need. So that's the simple rule all the way along. Keep them in the restraint that they're currently in until they do exceed the, the size markers. Uh, there are actually extended rear-facing options available now, which enable them to remain rear-facing to two or three years of age, depending on the model as well. Uh, so, look, it's the, it's the length of Bub's torso that determines uh, when they do need to graduate to the next suitable type of car restraint. And it's really easy now because they've got shoulder markers on them, so it's really easy to see when um, Bub should be graduating to the next restraint. Okay. Now, when we get home, so we've driven home from the hospital, We tend to become all consumed with sleep. Jane, what's the best way to safely sleep a newborn? Yes, absolutely. We do. And we do, you know, in that obsession with sleep that we all have, we do tend to um, look to products to to perhaps ease the pain or or solve a problem that we perceive is there when really it's, it's not a problem at all. We've got a little baby that is doing very normal things, waking frequently, wanting to feed and, you know, sometimes having a few little troubles nodding off to sleep and that's all very normal. When we're looking to sleep our babies, we want to be using a cot. Cots um, sold in this country meet Australian standards for safety and those standards are mandatory. So you know that whether you purchase a really expensive cot or, you know, a cheap one, they all have the stamp. So Really, um, if you're unsure, always check. Sometimes it's marked on there, sometimes it isn't. You can always uh, double check that with a supplier. A porticot is fine for brief and temporary use. They also meet Australian standards uh, for safety in their own class of product. So 
that is an option for some families, particularly when you're on the go um, and you're traveling. But the choice of mattress is also really important. So as Mel touched on before, babies do have very large, heavy heads and, and short, weak necks and in relation to the rest of their body. And what can happen is just by sheer design, they can um, predispose them um, to a, a problem happening in the sleep environment just by their anatomy. And so we need to be sleeping them on a firm, flat mattress on their back that's not tilted. So it's always it's always flat. It's always on the horizontal to make sure that we're keeping that airway nice and open and clear. We want to make sure that that mattress fits the cot properly so we don't have any gaps greater than say two centimeters around the edge between the the cot and the mattress all the way around when the mattress is centered because little babies we know um move in their sleep and 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 can become trapped and wedged in those spaces but we also don't want to be tempted to add pillows or lambswools or bumpers or loose objects in the cot at all because every time we add something to that or we soften a surface, we're adding risk to a baby's airway. And it's all about supporting our babies to support themselves in that respect. So we have to make sure that we've got the cot, we've got the mattress that's firm and flat and well-fitted, and we don't have anything else in that cot that could potentially add risk to a baby. I know that Red Nose doesn't recommend co-sleeping, but so many parents end up doing it. Um, If parents do co-sleep, how do they do it safely? Yeah, so co-sleeping is a very complex issue and there's been loads and loads of of research, particularly into contemporary um, infant care practices now that do, um, you know, the the evidence is quite clear that, yeah, parents are doing it. Um, there's a large cohort of parents that do it unintentionally. And so, yes, we absolutely have to acknowledge that it's, that it is going on and, you know, what can we do at Red Nose to ensure the safety of as many babies as possible? And so we do have some great resources available on our website and I do encourage the, the listeners to go and have a little bit of a look. Um, but certainly just in the, in the first instance, you know, things like, you know, making sure that the space where baby sleeps is firm and flat, just just as it would be in, in their own safe sleep environment. So a firm and flat mattress. We've got adult bedding that's kept well away from the baby because remembering anything too close or anything that's softening a surface for a baby increases risk to an airway. So we want to be able to keep that baby as clear um, as we can from all of those those things. We want to make sure that, you know, if mum has long hair, that the, that the hair is tied up and that jewellery is removed because we don't want to be um, increasing the risk of um, a strangulation or, or becoming kind of entrapped in all of that hair as well. Um, we want to ensure that the baby is kept to one side um, of the bed along one side of the parent, never in between the two parents. Sleeping in the middle of the bed between two hot adult bodies increases the temperature of that baby quite significantly. Um, It also increases the risk of that baby sliding down further under adult bedding. They can become overlaid by the bedding so they can suffocate under there by a a range of different mechanisms but they can also overheat very quickly and all of those things do increase the risk of, of SIDS. So really just Um, having the conversation with your um, maternal and child health nurse or your your child and family nurse, um, depending on what state you're living in about, you know, you, you might be doing it. It might be something that you're that you have chosen to do as part of your um, parenting preference or, or, you know, cultural belief, but certainly just, you know, be comfortable, be open to have the conversation because, you know, safety really is just so very important and, 
reaching out to organisations such as KidSafe or Red Nose for further support is always valuable too. So, Melanie, if we move on from sleep to getting out of the house, when you have a small baby, it can be terrifying the first time you leave the home because you just have such a small and vulnerable baby there. How can parents be confident when they leave the home that their baby is safe? Look, it's very natural, as you say, to feel a bit nervous, Siobhan. I think it's um, important that families are, are armed with the best information possible. So as Jane said, you know, go to the Red Nose website, to the KidSafe website, IMPA's running Baby Safety Month, which has got some great information there. Um, you know, it's important to, to know how to use things like your pram. So making sure that you use the wrist strap, particularly if you're on natural inclines and um, and other sort of unsafe sort of areas uh, that you know how to put the brake on. I think that's a really big one for prams in particular that you know if you're stopping even for a second just to pop the brake on and get into that habit really early um, so that it does become a habit and there's there's never any issues there but yeah it's just making sure that you're getting advice from the right places that you're confident in the products that you're using you've got everything you need with you so make sure that you've got a hat you've got um, you know sunscreen as appropriate you've got um, everything that bub might need while you're out so that you don't have to get stressed while you're out and make a sudden dash back home which can obviously make life much more complicated um, now talk to me about pram joggers because I understand there's a new research about that and you see some new mums running around the park with one of the those prams that are designed specifically for running. What's the latest research on them? Look, I think we've touched on that a little bit across all areas so far that, that bubs do have uh, weak neck muscles. So until they're about 8 or 12 months when their neck muscles are strong enough to support the weight of their heads, you shouldn't really take them in a jogging pram or stroller. Uh, and then when you do, um, make sure that you choose the right product. So, you know, there are specific products that, that do have that extra support for bubs and are specifically designed for um, for jogging purposes. So, you know, it's, it's important for parents to, to think about what they're going to be doing the most, what's going to work best for them in their situation, um, you know, what are the footpaths around the area like. You know, there's, there's so many practical considerations, which means that different prams are, are great for different families. Um, that, that it's, you know, all of those questions they need to ask themselves. Um, is there any one spot where parents can go to check out, you know, what is the safest pram, whether they're a jogger or not? If you go to the Imper Baby Safety Month website, they've got some great information on there around prams that should be really helpful for families. Excellent. Do you know what, Siobhan? I, I just think Mel has just given us the green light to not take up running again. For eight or 12 months after having a baby. So I think, no, that is the best advice. Uh, that is the best. Yeah, win. <laughs> just chill, ladies, just chill. Yeah. Um, okay, well, talking about getting out and about, I am very curious to know about baby carriers. So your baby Bjorns, your, uh, goodness, it has been a while for me too. I can't remember what they're called. But the ones where you clip them on and you're carrying the babies on you, um, what's the safety advice in terms of uh, using those? Absolutely. So there are loads and loads of different styles that um, parents can choose from. From a red nose perspective, you know, it's really important that parents understand that they don't carry Australian standards for safety. That's the first thing. Um, but there, none of them do. There are, yeah, none of them do. So you need to remember that if you are using them, there are a few design specifications and and, a, and, and things to consider. 
first of all, when you are when you are choosing one. And so the first thing to do is to make sure that when you're wearing a baby carry or a sling, because, you know, they're they're wonderful, they're great settling tools, they infant carrying is a is a beautiful thing to do for bonding and, you know, for a thousand different reasons. Um, but we have to make sure that because again, we've got that large, heavy head, short little neck, very weak muscles, particularly in the core, um, that we wear our slings tight enough. So we're providing some support to that baby so they can actually sit or, you know, or be held in an upright position that allows for good chest expansion. So we want to make sure that, that they're tight. We need to make sure that our babies are in view. So it can be really tempting when you have a look on Instagram or Facebook that, you know, we've got beautiful, whimsical looking mother who has just been given the green light that she doesn't have to jog anymore um, from Mel Courtney. <laughs> and now she's got the sling on and the baby's all kind of tucked up in a ball. We, we don't want that. We need to be able to see our baby's faces and their lips. We need to make sure that they're getting enough oxygen, heads and faces uncovered, remember. So nice and tight in view. We need our babies to be close enough to kiss. And I mean, why wouldn't we? We've got these gorgeous little children here, you know, so we've got our baby sitting up high enough that if we just put our chin down, we could reach the top of our baby's head and we could kiss the baby. Gorgeous. We need to also make sure that we're keeping that back nice and straight. So we're allowing for great chest expansion. It can be really tempting when we're looking around to buy slings that, you know, we want to buy something that's womb-like, that, you know, is great for the fourth trimester, which is, you know, all of these kind of great um, words, but we don't need for things to be womb-like anymore because we're out of the womb now. We need to be able to be held upright um, in, a, in a way that we can ventilate properly and breathe. So, you know, really kind of steering away from those things. And, you know, always just making sure that um, we're keeping the chin off that baby's chest. So it's very easy for that that heavy head to fall forward and to um, occlude or, or block the airway. The tongue can very easily kind of push back into the, into the head as well and, and that can make it, you know, more problematic. So really making sure that if you're sling of choice is on you properly it's nice and it's it's nice and firm your baby's in view it's close enough to kiss you've got the you're keeping the chin off the chest and you've got a lovely straight back so that baby can ventilate you're well on your way Brilliant. Well, ladies, um, I'm sure there are more safety tips that we could get out of you, but I know as well that you've got the website there. So Baby Safety Month is happening for the whole of November. There's a free digital guide called Tribe, and you can download that from babysafety.com.au. Melanie and Jane, thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Ron. That was Chief Executive Officer of KidSafe Victoria, Melanie Courtney, and Chief Midwife at Red Nose, Jane Wiggle. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.